1: The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield, straight from the 734. It's the Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell.
5: Fourth down call. Here it comes. Mayor, and
4: it's batted down. Eastern holds. What a job by the front four. Did Terry Myrick get a piece? Defense came up in a big-time way on Saturday as you hear the call from Matt Shepard and Rob Rupick on the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from WEMU as the Eagles escape with a one-point victor over Miami. On homecoming, Alex Jewell, what a weekend it was.
5: Oh, man, it was a great weekend, wasn't it? We had so many people in attendance. The parking lots at Renierston Stadium actually sold out, Greg. I took some time before the game started to go out, uh, see some of our fans and alums and parents of players. I got some good bacon. Parents were grilling it up. It was a great time on homecoming. It always is. But this one was special, Greg, because this one, for the first time in quite a while, Eastern Michigan able to convert on the field, do what they needed to do to get a win. Nobody on the roster right now, Greg, has gotten a win on homecoming before. So a really impressive job to go in and take care of Miami. Defense was strong all day long. Wow, that was masterful for Neil Nethery and company. And the game where they held Miami to just 12 points, just really a spectacular, spectacular victory.
4: Yeah, I was to say, if you were hanging out in the tailgate lot, living it up, I was still putting in the hard work. I did not get to enjoy the bacon. But maybe that bacon piece was the thing that pushed Eastern Michigan over the top. You mentioned it. They've been in close games. This one, one of the closest you can remember in home in a very long while. And defense. We'll talk plenty with Coach Creighton about it, but that uh, game plan by defensive coordinator Neil Nethery, oh,
5: masterful. Always so good. And the pressure that they got on the quarterback all day. A.J. Mayer from Miami, he was filling in for Brett Gabbert, but he had played and he'd played really well. They've got a lot of confidence that he'll be a, a great quarterback moving forward. So for us to be able to get 17 quarterback hurries on Miami, that is a significant number. Terran Rush, career-high eight quarterback hurries. That uh, puts him with that with those eight. He's now up into the top ten all-time program history in the modern statistical era. For program, uh, for quarterback hurries, he's only about 10 behind Max Crosby, who leads that category. So if that tells you anything, we all know what Mad Max has done here and is doing at the next level. And you said it, just a masterful game plan. And then the secondary really stuck, uh, stood up as well, Greg. And someone like Jared Paul, who hasn't necessarily shown through on the stat sheet thus far during the season, uh, he came to play and was excellent with seven tackles. Kempton Shine battling back from some injuries he had from a car accident early in the spring. He comes and has an eight tackle day to lead Eastern Michigan. Uh, it was just spectacular all around. And guess what? The offense wasn't uh, necessarily clicking on all cylinders, but they got the job done. And the defense was able to lift them up. So a great complimentary football game. That's what you, a, a term you'll probably hear Coach Creighton talk to you quite a bit about today. complimentary football. And all things aside, all X's and O's aside, man, it was fun to see people in the factory. It was fun to have a beautiful, beautiful day after so much rain. And Eastern Michigan coming out of winter, Greg. 3-0 and for the first time at home since 2011. So the whole be different, we different thing, I think it's starting to come to fruition and a great chance to come right back home this week and do it again against Ball State, who's going to be just as hard Maybe, maybe a little bit more of a challenge than Miami was.
4: Yeah, the Cardinals uh, last year's defending MAC champions in uh, football. They were able to then go to the Arizona Bowl and pummel the Mountain West champion in uh, S- uh, San Jose State. So it will be no small task that Mike New and company will bring into the factory this weekend. It's a big weekend. We know last week, homecoming, sometimes there's that let me down from homecoming and the crowd trickles off. The Eastern Eagles need it this weekend. It will be banned Day, it's Fall Fest, it is Family Weekend, so a lot of different things still going on at Rinierson Stadium and good reasons to come out and as always, it's your opportunity to let us send you to the game on our dime. If you want to listen to the keyword word this week, Alex and I will, of course, give away some tickets later on in the show. So be tuned in there. There'll be more than a thousand uh, high school performers on the field as part of band day on Saturday, forming the giant block EMU across the field. We want you there to see that on our channel. Speaking of Ball State, Alex, we, you and I have been part of some wild ones in this series, both sides. Ooh have blown big leads (laughs) in in contests. The Eagles have come from 21 down on election night to beat Ball State, clinch bowl eligibility. Unfortunately, though, Eastern the last uh, couple years have had leads uh, as well of 10 and 14, not able to hold on. So hopefully he can do so, because, of course, last year, Eastern was up 14, 21-7 against the Ball State Cardinals in Schumann Stadium and found themselves on the short side of things, 38-31.
5: Yeah, that was a game last year that came right down to the final play. Ball State able to come back and get it done inside their home stadium, but a chance now to bounce back for Eastern Michigan. It's a new year, new team, but Ball State always presents challenges. They're really, really well coached. Greg, you, you said last, that last year they won the MAC championship. They certainly did. And, uh, but Eastern Michigan has no problem being an underdog. They've got no problem playing the spoiler and with a one on one record in the Mac, everything is right in front of this team still. Every week is going to be a challenge in the Mac. So it's easy for us to sit up here and say, oh, another tough team to play in Ball State this week. Well, it's true, every week is a tough week for Eastern Michigan because of the competition you see in this conference. So you just have to take it one day at a time. I know Coach Creighton will probably talk a lot about that. It's about resetting, going 1-0, and letting last week go, getting focused on this week. And we know that Eastern Michigan, it's been proven, has the talent to play with anybody. Can they seal the deal? Winning against Miami in the way they did. Miami had two chances in the fourth quarter late to push down the ball. All they needed was a field goal to win. Eastern Michigan kept them off the board both times in the late game. So that's a huge step forward. Now, what can you do with it this week to to move forward once again and play the spoiler? If Eastern Michigan can get the win, Greg, it'll be the first time they've beaten a defending MAC champion since 2016. That was Bowling Green. When, uh, of course, that 2016 year, Sergio Bailey, uh, behind the over the back catch he made to help Eastern secure that game, and we all know that was a heck of a year for EMU, going to a bowl for the first time in 29 years. So, some good momentum maybe when you're playing a defending MAC champion. And Eastern Michigan will have no lack of confidence that so they can take care of business at home.
4: Not just uh, football on the show. We have plenty more to talk about. Right now, we have uh, other teams in action. Men's golf is at Purdue for the fall Invitational. Women's golf is on the shores of Lake Erie at Port Clinton as they are in action at the Rocket Classic after their victory last week at home at the Shirley Spork Invitational. If you're a volleyball fan, we have some Volleyball action for you as well. Thursday and Friday. Yes, I said Thursday and Friday this week. Uh, they will have changed the schedule as the Red Hawks of Miami are in town. Six o'clock on Thursday night and then four o'clock on Friday, as we'll have those games on ESPN. Plus. So you can tune into that. Women's soccer's on the road at Bowling Green. Cross country's back in action. They're up in the Badger State for the Nutty Comb Invitational. And then we also have golf back on the road this weekend as uh, soccer, uh, excuse me, They'll be at the Pat Bradley, the women are, and the Wolfpack Invitational on the men's side. Plus, we've got rowing back in action. They're at the head of the Grand, which Michigan State hosts, and then the weekend wraps up with women's soccer and Scott Hall's company. Needing a win, they'll be at Toledo on Sunday. That, a
5: lot of things Greg, going on. take a second, grab a bottle of water. You need it after that. <sighs> Heavy breathing, a big schedule ahead this week, and really, for the rest of the year now, it's going to be... Uh, A lot of competition, a lot of different sports every week. So make sure you stay tuned to our social media pages. You stay tuned to emueagles.com. All your sports information can be found there, and our team will do as best we can to cover all of those sports on social media as well. And a really interesting topic today, of course, Greg, we always talk to Coach Creighton. You're going to sit down with him just on the other side of this Open. And then we all know one of the biggest topics that has really been prevalent in college athletics this year is the thought of name, image, and likeness. Those rules have changed. changed so much. It's so integral to what the athletes can and can't do now of being able to profit off of those things. So a really polarizing topic. There's nobody better to talk to than Sean McCarthy. He is the assistant AD for compliance here at Eastern Michigan. He sits down with Tom Helmer after your interview with Coach Creighton to talk about all things NIL and all the uh, different aspects that people should be looking out for well, with that. Well,
4: Tom talks about NIL, but Tom really is more caring about when will his NCAA football return to his <laughs> PlayStation. That's what Tom cares about.
5: Well, most. I can tell fans, for, for fans wondering that, We may or may not be in the process. I know that our office has sent, uh, I don't know, maybe 500 pictures already to EA Sports, so Hopefully they'll use those. We're going to be seeing the factory in the game. Oh, they better have every a couple of detail years. So um, it'll, be, it'll be a fantastic when that comes out, but a really interesting conversation between those two. So we've got Coach Creighton as always. He'll talk about what his team needs to do to take care of Ball State this week. Also look back on the Miami win, a big one for his team, only the sixth all-time over the RedHawks. Then Sean McCarthy and Tom Helmer talk NIL. Remember, listen in for the keyword after Coach Creighton's interview. Send it in. We've got free tickets. All you have to do is send us the word. We want to bring you to the game. So listen in on the other side of this break. As always, thank you. We appreciate it. We can't wait to see you on Saturday here at the factory. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be.
1: Whether you're in the D or out to C, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. That's
6: what I'm 13, talking about. Woo! 12 A defensive tug of war won by
4: the Eagles. Like Matt Shepard, strong leg like bull. Oh, oh, how good what that What a job out. by Neil oh, Nether. At the end team. of the game. That's how the game ended in terms of what you heard on the radio, Matt Shepard, Rob Rubick, with Jake Julian's punt to ice the game as Eastern Michigan escapes with a one-point victory over Miami on homecoming. Coach Creighton joins us now to recap the game. Coach, uh, you talked about it in your press conference this morning, the prettiest play in football, burning time to end a game and keep the ball out of the other team's hands. 13 seconds is,
0: uh, is a long time for a play to last. And, you know, we had calculated that we were probably going to have to punt and give them, you know, very few seconds left. We obviously would have loved to have burned it out. Um, Just our calculations, we knew, you know, that we that we weren't uh, going to without a first down. So um, 13 seconds left, Um, you know, they brought 11 um, and, and Jake got it off right away as he should. and. Um, prevented it from going into the end zone, but still, you know, pushed them way back. And then, um, you know, our guys got down there and just made sure it didn't get in the end zone. And, and, you know, very wisely, did not down the ball, but just let it continue to roll until it completely stopped, because that's when the official yeah. blow the whistle and the clock hit zero. Uh, so it was a, uh, it was just a, a great ending.
4: Your defense was able to step up twice down the stretch. To, Miami had the football, had a chance to drive. All they need is a field goal, and they come up and turn them over on downs and force a punt. A different time, uh, they took a massive step forward in this game, didn't they? I'll tell you,
0: um, you know, the way we got pressure on their quarterback, um, and the way that our ball disruption, you know, our batted balls. We had six just with our front. That's not our. That's not pass breakups in our secondary. You know, that that's defensive linemen and linebackers. Um, you know, is just the is the story of the game because again, early on, I mean, they were getting you know chunk plays and, mm-hmm. and getting right down there, but then we held them to two field goals. Yep. So I think you know, on their end, it was like, hey, look, we're going through these guys, we're going to score a lot of points. Well, the reality of it is, they had they got six, so we scored next, and all of a sudden, you know, we're we're winning, um, and then we never gave up yep. that lead again. Um, you know, offensively, we just uh were not able um to have great first down production in the second half, at least not consistently, and it got us into, you know, second and longs, and that's not what we want to be in, especially with their pass rush. I mean their pass rush is is uh, really, really good, you know, sacked us six times. We we didn't do our part offensively to seal that game and and it's something that we absolutely need to improve on.
4: Coach Nethery on on Wednesday said, when I talked to him, he said, if we're going to win this game, Jose Ramirez and Taran Rush are going to have to have huge contests. They both did in terms of sacks and QB hurries. I know it's a subjective stat for those of us who scored upstairs, but 17 quarterback hurries, that exceeds the total that Eastern had for seasons for six years at one point. Uh the impressiveness that they were able to to really get movement off the edge is is a testament to how the rest of the defense played too.
0: Yeah, it all works together. I mean, we feel as though you know our secondary you know played as well as as they've played in, you know probably since uh, two thousand nineteen. Um, so it, it all works together. But it is subjective. But I, I'll tell you what, towards the end of the game, before the ball was snapped, um, you know, we were in that quarterback's yep. head. You know, I've been there. You know, and when when you just know that those guys are coming. And uh, that the protection hasn't been, I mean, that, that was the story of the game both ways. Because mm-hmm. again, you know, I don't know about how many times they hurried us, but six sacks is six too many yep. and uh, really kind of took us off um, our game. Um, but the 17 pressures and the three sacks, um, you know, the the takeaway, the almost takeaway um, that got reversed, you know, it just it just felt as though we were uh, in his kitchen um, that entire second half.
4: You touched on it a little bit earlier today when we talked in, in your press conference, but the fan base coming out, supporting you, and, and once again, getting loud in those moment, moments also really helped. Uh, and I know we've talked about it so much, but people come make a difference.
0: Absolutely. There's no question. Uh, again, I mean, the I'll never forget the 2016 when we pulled up to play Toledo at homecoming, and again, just the lot was completely full, and there's it, that does impact our guys, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not like that every week, you know, and so it's growing, it's you know, it's really gotten consistently gotten better and better and better, and then so this week it was the same thing, you know, we, um, as soon as we show up to the stadium, all the lots are full, you know, people are here, there's just some electricity in the air, and. Yeah, I mean, you, you you turn around and you see all the people wearing hard hats and thunder sticks and wearing green and white and getting loud. They were into the game there at the end, made a difference. And yeah, it was just, uh, you know, it was a great homecoming.
4: This week's opponent uh, is Ball State, the defending MAC champions and it is a, a big weekend again. It is band day, it is family weekend. So reasons that Alex and I talked about why people should come out, but also it's a really competitive football game. When you two when you and Ball State, you and Mike New have matched. I mean, these have been good football games to watch. Four of the last six contests between Eastern Michigan and Ball State one team has come back from at least nine points down to to pull off a win including we think back to election night in 16 when your team found itself down 21 nothing and found a way to win what is it about when eastern and ball state play that something magical seems to happen
0: well you know just uh two good teams you know that are battling each other um uh you know it really, final seconds—the um, last, the last two years, you know—is what it's come down to. Then we had them for homecoming mm-hmm. two years ago, and you know, Arthur was out of bounds in the end zone by about an inch. Yep. Um, it was the right call, but um, you know, we we win that game. Um, and then last year, as as uh, literally the seconds were uh, rolling off the clock to end the game, you know, they they punched it in. Um, yep. Six the, seconds left last year. Yep, go ahead score. So uh, really good, really good games. Um, and, you know, we've gotten them. They've got us the last two times in close games. And, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, two proud programs that, uh, you know, find themselves – just like the rest of the league, you know, in a situation where every game matters.
4: Do you, uh, At the end of the night, do you ever pull up the scoreboard and just look and say, wow, that's because last week their performance against Western, who had been running the table, all of a sudden Ball State right back in the mix. They beat Army and now Western in back-to-back weeks. I look at the scores, but
0: to be honest with you, now it's um, I know that there's going to be a couple scores that, you know, people in general wouldn't have expected. And I'm I'm like, it's it's just not surprising. It's it's not surprising. Whoever it is and people who've been in the league actually know this and have experienced it. um, Everybody is very, very, very similar. And you better prepare and come to play or you will lose. Um, it doesn't matter if you are four zero in the non-conference or zero and four. Once you get to MAC play, it is every single week, um, and so I'm I'm not surprised.
4: You and Mike New both have non-traditional routes to get to where you're at. He was in the, the Arena Football League, of course. You've worked your way up from the D three ranks, and then the FCS football. Uh, I know when you're at media day, you and him seem to to come together. How, how good is your relationship with, with coach new and, and really all the coaches in the league is similar fraternities.
0: Yeah. I I like him a lot. Um, I think he, uh, you know, does a great job and I I don't know him real well or anything like, but everything I know about him is that uh, he's first class and uh, has character and uh, really like, you know, how he recruits his program, uh, recruits to his program and runs his program. Um, So nothing but respect. And, his uh, former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, um, uh, Joey Lynch is no, no longer there. Is somebody that I actually recruited out of high school and have known for a really long time. And is just a, a great human being. And, and uh, you know, so early on just spoke really highly of him. Um, so th- there, there is a fraternity, you know, you get to know some guys better than others. You know, on game day, you know, it's you're putting everything that you have into, you know, defeating. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be someone who's some happy and, and someone who's uh, extremely disappointed. But, uh, you know, the, the times we have our coaches meetings and get out to Arizona for the Mac, uh conference and whatnot. I think everybody really enjoys being around each other.
4: Final moments here with Chris Grayton as we get ready for Ball State this weekend. EMU Vice President and Director of Athletics Scott Weatherby, of course, a, uh, a Ball State grad, he has a Crush the Cardinals trophy that he likes to present to the team that is able to beat Ball State each week. And uh, I know you'd like to have that in your possession come next Monday. But what is it going to take to help uh, slow down Drew Plitt and Ball State? I know we're early in the week, but what what do you see right now? It's going to take. Yeah, uh, you know they're
0: they're really good, you know, um, and they're in rhythm right now uh there, there there's no question about that um he's he's really good i mean i think his first start was against us maybe 4 years yep. ago
4: off the bench when they were at an injury QB yeah yeah maybe it was
0: that yep. when he, it wasn't a start but but came in and played most of the game and um yeah he's just he's really grown up and um you know i think the the program reflects right who he is and his ability and we recruited him and got to know him some and uh, a great guy. So um, he's got weapons, <laughs> you know, and so you got to kind of pick and choose, um, you know, what you're going to try to try to take away. And that's uh that's a puzzle that we're going to try to solve this week.
4: Chris, thanks for your time. As always, Eagles look to move to 5-2 and two on the year if they're able to knock off Ball State. Alex and I, quick timeout. Back after this, you're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast.
1: It's time for another Eastern Insider Keyword. Fans, don't forget to message EMU Athletics on Facebook or Twitter with today's keyword for your chance to win an exclusive prize. Now listen up.
5: The lots at Rainier's were packed last week for homecoming, and we're hoping that you come back again for Eastern Michigan's game against Ball State. That's why this week's keyword is tailgate
1: there's only one podcast in washington county that takes you inside the athletic department every single week the eastern insider podcast your home for all things eastern all the time
5: Name, image, and likeness is a big topic in college athletics right now. And so the next interview features a discussion on that very topic with Tom Helmer and assistant AD for compliance, Sean McCarthy. It originally aired a few weeks back on WEMU at halftime of Eastern's football game with Northern Illinois. But we hope you'll listen in. And enjoy
6: my halftime guest today sean mccarthy assistant athletic director in compliancy did i get that right you did i got you have the most difficult job in college sports because you have to know all the rules this is true all (laughs) of them and they change what feels like weekly at this point the most interesting thing to happen on the college landscape this year is nil name image licensing explain in a cliff notes version to people what that is and and how it relates to college athletes today
3: Yeah. So 30,000 foot elevator pitch of name image likeness. Um, So essentially prior to July 1st, 2021, college student athletes were not able to profit off of their name, their image, or their likeness, basically anything tied to the fact they were a a college student athlete. So they couldn't run their own business. They couldn't promote commercial products, commercial entities. As of July 21, the NCAA has changed that policy where now our student athletes can use the fact that they are a college football player, college gymnast, whatever it may be, to use that to help make a little money on the side, be it promoting a product, maybe running their own business whatever
6: seismic shift in the way amateurism is viewed and the interesting thing about it is there's no real road map here and it's not really like the ncaa has much to weigh in on it it's not like it snuck up on them because what california passed a law a couple years ago that they were going to allow this so everybody knew it was coming but i don't think they really thought it actually would it was
3: kind of like driving at a cliff that we all knew was coming but everyone assumed the brakes would get hit at some point and July 21, July 1, 2021 came and suddenly we had to scrap a plan together on June
6: 30th. So what what are some of the immediate impacts you've noticed of athletes being able to brand themselves and make money?
3: So as a general picture, right, obviously we all can look from a national perspective. A lot of those high leverage student athletes are getting some very sizable deals, right? You've got guys or female student athletes um, that are signing six figure endorsement products opportunities, which is great. Take advantage of it. Um, and even then, I think we've seen a lot of it on an institutional level where we've had student-athletes that have that entrepreneurial mindset. Right, Students that want to run their own business can now advertise it as, I'm Joe Schmoe, Eastern Michigan student-athlete, and it's a way to build upon that promotional item. Um, and it's harder to start a business when you can't tie it to how people might know you best or you can't even put your name on it. Um so that's where I think we've seen a lot of it is student athletes trying to go from an entrepreneurial set maybe not so much the I'm going to go promote local business A.
6: Right. Yeah, you got to grow up fast and some of the interesting parts too that people probably didn't think of is all right, I'm an athlete at Eastern Michigan. That's an Adidas school. Yes. So I can't really if I'm going to do a deal with another brand that's going to be problematic cuz I can't wear it in games or contests. Yes. Because that goes and the same with jerseys. I you know The jerseys, right, belong to Eastern Michigan University, so I just can't start printing out jerseys with the name Helmer on the back and start selling them, right? Correct.
3: So we kind of worked through one as a department um, with Scott, Andy Rowden, myself, and then kind of a little bit with campus and general counsel. We put together our institutional policy. It mirrors a lot of other state of Michigan policies. It matches the Michigan state law that will be in effect in December 31 of 2022. Um, So we do limit, you know, there's student athletes can't sign an endorsement deal that conflicts with one of our sponsor agreements, right? So Nike versus Adidas, Pepsi versus Coke is kind of the big name versions of that. Right. That can trickle down to some of the more local sponsors we may have, that we don't want to have our student-athletes conflicting with what we already use to promote the institution in our athletic department. Um, so there's that piece of it, and then the other big one is, kind of as you mentioned, the use of our load, our trademarks, our copyrights, right. right? Like the blocky logo, the scripty logo that baseball uses, those are institutional copyrights. Um, so we do require our student-athletes to request prior approval if they want to use those in a name-image likeness opportunity, and those kind of get reviewed by Scott and myself. If it's in. If it's an endorsement idea that we're good with, Scott's going to tell a student-athlete, by all means, we want the blocky associated with it. Right. That's fantastic. Go right. take advantage of it. Um, there may be one or two where it's like, all right, it's kind of a local business. It's maybe not a direct conflict with one of our sponsorship agreements, but we don't want to make anybody upset. Just go take, go do your promotional appearance, but you're going to have to not use the blocky. Same thing applies to our facilities, Right. There are NCAA limits on how much we can really help push the students or provide them their name, image, likeness right. opportunities. So we kind of are limiting that we can't have kids just using Field Field um, or using our right. equipment room to go pull equipment out and do photo shoots or whatever it may be. Um, those things need pre-approval from the in- institution, and most often it's kind of a wait and see. Right. We're also trying to be flexible with it because this is a good thing for our students. We want them to be able to take advantage of name, image, likeness. A little money on the side never hurts, especially a college student.
6: We're talking with Sean McCarthy, compliance guru at Eastern Michigan. And that's what I wanted to ask you too. I mean, there's been a long push for a while that sports is a big industry in college and athletes should be getting their cut. Is this the right way to go about it? That's a loaded question.
3: Um, (laughs) Loaded question that could probably be answered very differently depending on who you are and where you are. I think in my opinion, the way opening name image likeness to student athletes was probably the best way to get started in this path, right? the way the NCAA has put it in place is institutions are supposed to be hands-off, right? So we're not the one passing along the money. Right, right. Um, it's more of a generating of the free market, right? Right. What is Tom Helmer worth to a business down the street? Well, that's for the businesses to determine. Right. If they think you're worth a five-figure endorsement deal, by all means, that's free market. They may regret that in two or three years. That's the correction of the business curve, I think, as we go through some of this. But there are student athletes that have, you know, two, 300,000 followers on Instagram. like. That's a version of monetizing off your name or image that didn't exist 10 years ago. Right. So now suddenly an Instagram post from, you know, pick your quarterback at Power 5 school. Right. That can be worth a lot of money to those guys. Um, so I, they should be able to take advantage of that is kind of my opinion on it. And I think it is a positive. And I think that's also social media is where you see some of the student athletes that have the most influential potential. Right. Or maybe not in the sports you would consider It's Some of those student athletes just have large Instagram followers or large Twitter followings. They might not be a star athlete, um, but they can make a lot of money on that. And I think that's kind of a really cool thing.
6: It is cool. Selfishly, I just want college sports video games to come back. You know, how am I going to build my dynasty? I am of that generation. Right. And, And it seems like it will go that route again, which which is a good thing, again, promotes. And where do you see this going down the line. I mean, like I said, there's not really an NCAA guidance to it. It's kind of like, it's here, good luck everybody. I mean, we'll, we'll see a quarterback at Alabama make seven figures, <laughs> you know, we'll see another guy find out he's not worth anything. Um, where does this go? And how does everybody stay competitive, I guess?
3: Yeah. yeah. And I think we're already seeing some of that too. You look at, there are some institutions where whole teams are getting sponsorship deals. Um, through some local business usually that have some alumni type in Miami. Whatever. Like Miami, if you're a scholarship athlete
6: yes. and you promote, I think it's a gym.
3: You BYU get like... is doing it with all of their walk-ons yeah. um, for promoting some local business. I think that's where it gets interesting from a recruiting perspective. Because
6: that's not illegal right now. You can do it,
3: right? Um, the NCAA is kind of in a spot where it's not supposed to be used to help induce a student to come to Eastern Michigan or come to Michigan, whatever. Pick your university, right? Um, that's the one thing they want out of it. How you police that don't really know Um, everything on its face can be made to look like it was done after the fact Um,
6: but if I'm a coach and I stand up and I go listen our backup quarterback hasn't played it down yet and he's already made seven figures then I'm thinking to myself all right well that's maybe where I want to go be a backup (laughs) correct like I think it's weird we're
3: seeing some high school students that are skipping senior years of high school to go to college early to take advantage of an image likeness Um, I don't know if that's a good thing sure it's nice to be able to monetize on while you have that short window of time but you're also skipping kind of one of the you know senior high school supposed to be one of those years you remember for the rest of your life and kids are you're growing up too fast is what it feels like at times yeah Um, but i also know where income potential in sports can sometimes be a snapshot so you should capitalize on where you get the chance i think the biggest thing we'll probably need or should see going forward is some type of actual national standard um, right now, it's kind of up to each individual state, right? right. You're governed by your state's name, right. image, likeness law. If one is in place, Michigan has one. But every state's on a different timeline. Every state's law is slightly different on what may or may not be permitted. Um, we do probably need a national standard to keep things at least uniform. What, How that comes to be, who knows? I know there's the conversations. The NCAA's pipe dream is always... Let's get congressional oversight or congressional help. Good luck. Yeah. Um, getting Congress to agree on most anything feels like an impossible task. So name image likeness <laughs> feels even harder, but there has to be a national standard going forward, I think, because it's too hard to compete when Ohio is on one page and Michigan's on right. another. Right. Puts a lot of schools in very different places from a competitive equity
5: standpoint. I guess. <laughs>
1: This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.